Hey there. Thanks for joining me on Comedy Masterclass, where I interview creators about the craft of writing comedy. Today, I have the fabulous Lucy Lumsden with me. Now, Lucy was the first controller of comedy commissioning for the BBC, and then she was also head of Sky Comedy for six years. And now she continues to contribute so much to comedy as a mentor, as a director, and with her own production company, Yellow Door Productions. So there's so much I want to dig into today. But before we start, Lucy, is there anything you want to add about you and your work that people should know? Hmm. Um... No, I guess I'm glad you mentioned mentor because that's a big part of what I like to do. I guess I I came to the production side later in life, so I've probably done my career back to front. And so I kind of thought, yeah, I've probably got quite, I think quite a lot of lot to give. Um, mm. So I was a sort of startup, but a grown-up startup. So, yeah, topsy-turvy. Oh, no, I love that. (laughs) But it means you've got so many great perspectives. And just um, as a fun starting place, I wanted to ask you first about your production company. It's called Yellow Door Productions. And I just thought that was such a lovely image. I wondered Mm -hmm. if there was uh, anything behind the name and why you picked it. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I just, I I had a long stint in corporate life and then um, kind of quit when just when people think oh you should be sort of settling down I kind of did the opposite and 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 walked out of that job and I suppose doors opening and closing felt like Mm. a thing and then also I I wanted to feel like I was um bridging bridging a gap and and so my my little logo's got a door open to it um particularly like the international markets that that's something that still is something that interests me so feeling that you could pass from one thing to another I don't know and then if you look close there's a little smile on my letterbox (laughs) so within it was just a feeling of of it's a hopefully a, a friendly place to be yellow door we really care about nurturing our relationships making people feel very looked after so yeah, and then I just painted my actual yellow, my actual door yellow, um, as a act of tiny defiance. It's not very anarchic, but anyway, that was another thing I did. So yes, my door is actually yellow. <laughs> oh, I love that, and I love this sort of. Oh, it's so great to have you on as well as being that friendly face. Because honestly, if I didn't like, if we didn't have that, and we just heard a title like first controller of comedy commissioning, it might sound incredibly intimidating, particularly for people from the outside who are writers writing mm. comedy, you know, working away on their laptops trying to figure out how the industry works. So yeah. it's so great that we have you today to kind of go behind the scenes and a few practical examples just to demystify some of the process a little which is great but I'd um, love to uh, like wind back time a little bit and ask a big question which is I'm just super curious about is why you've made comedy the focus of your career because you've you know you've made it's just a huge commitment do you know why comedy oh god I don't know you just sort of get drawn to these things I think it probably started at university um, when very fortunate to be part of the Bedlam Theatre which anyone who went to Edinburgh Mm. University knows well in fact maybe beyond Edinburgh it's known quite well and then it's a great starting point because you get to do all sorts of plays and we had an enormous amount of plays to do in a year 
And then you find yourself drawn to the ones that kind of intrigue you, surprise you, surprise the audience. And I just kept finding it was comedy. I found it so peculiar what made people laugh, what made people laugh one night and not the next. And for me, it's been just, it remains a constant search as, as to what is funny and, and what what's, keeps surprising you and what you can say in comedy that you... You can say in drama, but you might feel you're being slightly hit over the head with a with a message or a notion. Um, and then I guess I'm just attracted to funny people in a way that I, I just find them irresistible. So so it's that. Uh, I've never really understood it myself. I just know that I, I find other things not so intriguing. I'm just constantly on a kind of search. Um, yeah. I love that. That sounds so fun. And you use so many great words like surprising and delicious and intriguing. I mean, that's a pretty amazing way to live a life and have a career with those kind of words like buzzing in your brain. I love that. So I'm really curious because I just don't have this perspective of how you put that curiosity and intrigue and looking for surprise and the questions of what people find funny how you put that with a really big role like the first controller of comedy commissioning and I think it might be helpful for people listening and certainly for me to use a practical example to kind of go behind the scenes a little bit Um, and the one that I have like top of mind is Miranda which Mm. was a wonderful show made by their brilliant performer Miranda Hart if you haven't uh, seen it uh, no problem we're still going to use it as a practical example today but like can you when you think back to that time, how did you match that like great spirit of curiosity and looking for things that make people funny with the like the practicalities of actually commissioning that show and seeing the process through? What sticks in your mind as to how you matched up those things? Yeah. Um, so Miranda was one of many, many shows. That's the, the peculiar thing about that job mm. is that you are this sort of rather grand midwife to – I'm not kidding, hundreds of ideas that are coming through the door. So it's sort of like you're you're just trying to tune into your instinct, really understand what the channel needs. I ca- you cannot ignore what the platform is about and what it needs. If, if you didn't have that kind of framework, you could just be giving a, thousands of people a, a go. So you sort of really, really got to think, align yourself with how the channel thinks. And that was a very big responsibility at the BBC. I really felt that responsibility on, on my shoulders. I mean, Miranda was, I mean, there are lots of people involved with Miranda's story and she, she just was an amazing, amazing person. You, once you saw her, you would never forget her. Mm. Um, and her journey was really kind of quite sensibly paced at the BBC and it was a brilliant place to be able to identify someone like Miranda who I remember seeing actually first of all doing things like read-throughs and she'd be she'd be kind of slightly in the background and then I have to call credit to Joe Sargent um, who who really really pushed pushed for Miranda to kind of be spotted as someone who actually was was a headliner as opposed to someone in the background and, and the key thing, I think, was that she was allowed to develop her voice on radio. Mm. And that's where the BBC was so brilliant, not rushing her into a TV pilot, but uh, giving her that opportunity as a writer as well to develop, work with other writers, 
again, just finding her, finding her voice. Well, I think she had her voice, but finding the confidence to deliver her voice. And then there was a pilot and it was really kind of, again, my recollection was it was really considered process. And there were changes made from the pilot. It wasn't just, you know, a ready-made series there and then. Sensible things were done. So it was a really, a really good, I think, pragmatic um, development for her. And I, I hope she felt very looked after by the people around her. If you remember, that was, an, that was BBC was divided into in-house. So there were those producers, and I kind of slightly sat apart from that as a commissioner. And as a commissioner, I, I was receiving ideas from the entire independent community of producers and from in-house. So we'd have these very difficult meetings with the channel controller where Miranda's series might be ready to be pitched and commissioned but it would be now competing with 12 other ideas. So it was sort of a job of clearing the path for someone like her. It wasn't that hard, though. I think we all mm. spotted that pilot and went, okay, she just is so ripe to have her own series. It, those decisions aren't, <laughs> aren't, aren't that hard. But it's wonderful to be part of that, you know, um, and I'm you know, a big fan of Miranda's to this day. That's super interesting. And I didn't know that about the radio, which makes sense to me. And also gives me some comfort because I'm currently um, working on some audio projects myself too, because again, the, like there's an, an accessibility and an immediacy to them. So I'm starting in a writer's room at the weekend, but it's going to have an audio output first as a way to kind of test working together. So that's super interesting to hear. And I'm also picturing you with these hundreds of ideas coming at you in all these forms and, as you say, through independent production companies. And probably they, similarly, in the chain, are also having lots of ideas pitched to them. And I know this is a really hard question to answer, but when you think about those sort of patterns um, in comedy that you've seen, I imagine some things have changed, but I imagine some things hold true in terms of when you're flipping it around to think from the writer's perspective – what kinds of advice you tend to give people in terms of thinking about how to develop their idea and think sensibly about who to pitch it to when and in what way? Like what what are some of the practical things that writers can do to try to match up their incredible imaginations and their unique perspective, but with that bigger picture of what yeah. the channel or the streamer is doing, what commissioners are looking for? Yeah. I think there is a there is a practical thing here, which is pick your producer carefully. Uh, I think I think that that gives you an in. It really does. Um, it is quite hard to be quite a new writer and be working with quite a new producer. And this is a tough reality check, but it, it's the 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 producer is really you're putting your 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 work into their hands you're probably not at those meetings where they are representing you so i really say to a lot of writers really do your homework i i, I think it's fairly simple now it was hard before before the internet where you really really were a sort of just word of mouth and what you picked up but now i really would say take a look at who's making the shows that you love mm. and um and almost do, just do do a bit of homework. I do a bit of homework every week, if not a little bit every day, on what's out there, who's making it, what names keep keep coming up. Um, of course, there are new producers, 
but I think if you're also a new writer, I think it's mm. making sure that your hand is being held by someone who's got that track record in the industry and really does know how the channels think and how to how to get to the commissioners. They are inundated with projects. So it's not it's not like it's an impossible task. It's not that. It's just you really want you want to be surrounded by really brilliant people who will represent you and your idea really well. Um, and I'd meet a few producers, you know, don't, don't just, just leap at the first person who shows you some love, um, mm. see how it clicks, meet with them, s- listen to what their feedback is about your idea. Um, if you don't particularly like it, you're on a long journey with that person. So make sure you're aligned. Um, yeah, it's a lot of faith you're going to put in that relationship. I mean, as a commissioner, I think I really was pretty persuaded by one idea from one company that had a track record. It came with taste, um, a, a sort of stamp, a kite mark of quality about everything that they produced. Not to say we didn't take risks with the newer indies, and sometimes they they were wonderful, brilliant moments forging new relationships, but when you have so few slots and you really, really want to get behind something that you really feel will deliver what was said in the fantastic meeting, we can all do a great meeting, but you've got to back it up with the delivery of a show that that really reflects how wonderful that meeting might have been. And I think I really did sort of focus on a few suppliers, if I'm honest. Um, um, yeah. I wish I could say I could nurture the newer producer relationships. I hope I did in some some cases, but yeah, there were there were those key relationships were really fundamental. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and I appreciate you just being very transparent because it, it is a business, it is an industry. Like the, um, it's great to hear both like the the human side and the pragmatism too. That's helpful. So thank you, and. I'd love to know if you would have similar advice for researching and finding agents, or is there anything else that you think is different for comedy writers that are at that step? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's so dissimilar. I think it's yeah. I think it's like look at look at the writers that you might feel you're sort of the the, the creative cousin of, and see mm. who who's representing them. I always think that's a really good in, isn't it? When you writing someone an email and go, I am such a fan of. Julia Davis or whoever it might be and and that's why you're talking to them so and I I feel it when I'm sent an email it's like I oh you've made a connection I, I can see why you think my, I might be a good fit for you and I don't think it's a dissimilar for for agents um I also think it's how you approach them uh it's really good to have a variety a variety of ideas I call it the portfolio of ideas um, particularly an agent. So an agent's hopefully trying to find a writer who could they could place in across different projects. So maybe they can write on someone else's show for an episode. That would be very useful. And also you've got your babies, your own projects. But if you just send your very authored pieces to an agent, I'm not sure. They might struggle to place you. So you're trying to make their job as easy as possible. And, and the age-old thing is wait, wait, wait until your material is as best as it could possibly be because you really might get that one shot at that email. That email is everything. It's your calling card. It's representing you. So don't don't rush. 
really have honed honed it, um, honed the work that you're showing. It's it's everything really. Yeah, that's such sound advice. And I know that you um, mentor and coach so many writers too. And I'm curious, um, when you think about that process, I'm sure it is different for all of them individually, they're different perspectives, they're different voices. But I wonder with like the longevity of perspective that you have, if there are any particular elements of craft that you find yourself kind of looking at and thinking, oh gosh, I wish they would put some more work into that before sending, or is that impossible to say? Is it just really varied? I mean, it is really varied, but this is why I love comedy as well, is that anybody really, if you think you've got something funny to say, if you think you keep hearing your friends going, oh my God, you should write that down, or you think, actually, I know I'm good at this, you know, go for it, because you can learn the craft bits. The craft bits, they are simple. They are Mm. something you can discover. They are how you present your work. It's so boring, but everyone is reading the same sort of scripts. There is a certain way of writing scripts, and it's really easy to to discover that. I always think BBC Writers Room is a brilliant place to Mm. guide you on those absolutely essential elements. There is something deeply frustrating about badly presented work, uh, I don't know what it is. It's because it interrupts what you're mm. trying to do. It's just such a distraction. So so just really work on presentation, be professional, come across that you really do know your craft. And then I, I think, you know, you'll hear this over and over again, but, but it's the first couple of pages, that good old thing of really surprised, you know, Mm-hmm. Be be bold, be really bold, you know, surprise us with the first page. And then something happens to me, literally, I I, I could feel a, a shot of dopamine <laughs> level, my mm-hmm. dopamine levels suddenly go up. Something happened, I'm literally, I'm falling in love with, is it dopamine or oxytocin? Anyway, one of them. Yeah, um, both, I reckon. <laughs> I'm sort of falling in love with this world and this voice and this person and it's, I mean, it is that, really. Mm. And it's it's being surprised. And I don't take too long to set it up. I just saw a script the other day, and it's so gently, lovely. We arrive in the car, and and it's like mm. nothing's kind of happened, actually. You've, you've really politely introduced us to this world. Take us to your what's – your, what's your killer moment to absolutely sum up that character? Open with that. I, I mm. mean, it might not work with everything, but I really think gr- grab grab us, grab us quick. Yeah. Um, but I love it because you don't need a track record. You just need a fresh voice. You need a fresh take on the world. Mm. Uh, and there are countless examples of that still cutting through. I mean, this country, I think, was, was one really famously, Daisy May Cooper really didn't have an in. She worked bloody hard to get it. Um, and she arrived, and the joy of that show was we hadn't seen her and Charlie before. I mean, that's that's the total pleasure. The other one happening at the moment is Colin from Accounts, absolute favourite show at the moment. Um, I've never seen them before. It doesn't matter. That's the, I'm just so excited to go on a voyage of discovery. So, yeah, that's what I mean. Fresh thinking, fresh voices will always cut through. Comedy is about surprise so Mm. be surprising yeah (laughs) that's perfect 
And has anything changed in your thinking? Again, a big question now that you have your own production company in terms of how you think about ideas and what you really want to see made, because you've got, I assume, some different filters running and some different considerations. Yeah, and I, and I think this was the most liberating thing for me is that I said I aligned myself with channels as a commissioner. I felt that real weight of responsibility for a broadcaster, and I, I could kind of know it and let it really go, and and really work for myself. My get back my my gut feel, and I did a lot of work, kind of getting back to uh, you know I directed, I wrote a little short film. Small thing, but it was a brilliant uh, reset of where's my voice gone? I think I need to be less that midwife thinking mm. for others and start thinking for myself. And the joy of sitting down with the talented people and be thinking, oh, what's a Yellow Door project rather than mm. a Sky project or a BBC project was I just knew this is where I need to be right now. Um, and it's been super rewarding uh, to to bring, I suppose, the accumulation of knowledge about industry, but to really apply it to our own projects. Um, yeah, much, I have to say, loved my job, but this is much more creatively rewarding. Yeah, wonderful. And would you mind um, taking us behind the scenes as much as you're able to with a project of your choice? I know you've got some fabulous projects at different stages. Yeah, well, Ruby Speaking is yeah. quite a good one. We just just finished it in the edit, and it's soon to air on ITVX on June the 22nd, plug. Um, it's a really interesting one, and I hope quite an encouraging one for new talent because it's taken a while. It's encouraging in one way um, in that we got it made, but it's like ne never give up because it started with, um, with me going to a lot of producers do this and, and something for new talent is do these showcases because people like me are going to them and writers are going to them. So it was a sort of agents showcase that happened in London. And um, I saw Jade Adams for the first time and she's a stand up. She's an actress. She's a singer. She's a quadruple threat. She's just been strictly come dancing. Um, mm -hmm. But she really wasn't that known. I think she had just won the Funny Women Award, but I didn't realise that at the time. And we chatted afterwards. And I just felt she had this common touch, this feeling of you kind of know her instantly, uh, hiding all the hard work that's really going on in terms of delivering her set so effortlessly. Um, and I just I just had a feeling... Um, that she she had it and so anyway I asked her what she what did she do before she was a stand-up she said she worked in a call center um for three years and just little light bulbs were going off and I went call center is a really good setting I we'd had a we had a documentary here but it was felt like it was slightly distant memory here it was kind of yeah a, a, a call center uh, documentary on BBC three um so I sort of I sort of thought, yeah, I can imagine commissioners might go. We've had, haven't we had that setting? But I thought, I'm going to ignore that. We're going to plough on. Um, now, Jade, Jade says she didn't want to write it, but she, mm. I could see she was the voice. She, she, it was really inspired by her experiences. So I added a writer into the mix. So that's slightly an unusual thing for a writer. So a lot of writers will conceive their own idea on their own. 
so Abby, Abigail Wilson, who I'd known from other shows like Trolley, the supermarket sitcom for Sky, and Stella, she worked with French and Saunders. I just sort of, it's a difficult one making these marriages happen, but mm. I put them all together. And the way we, we kind of bonded was we went to a call centre. I just worked for Sky. So I used to do lots of trips to call centres and tell them about all the shows that were coming up. And um, so I went to the Cardiff um, Sky Call Centre for a day with Jade and Abby, and we were just having light bulb moments all day long, going, we know we've got a show here. So we round our kitchen table, my kitchen table, we came up with the idea, and then no one wanted it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one wanted it because, quite simply, Jade just wasn't known enough, and it was definitely her and the headlining the the show there's no there's no question about that you go into that knowing that this is a vehicle for somebody um so we we put it put it in a drawer and we brought it out again and I'd say to writers out there don't forget your archive because sometimes it is just a question of timing and we just needed to wait we needed to wait for the world to catch up with Jade Adams and she was in Alma's Not Normal as the friend, and then and then we got the commission actually before she was in Strictly, so that timing worked out um, very well as well. Um, and then Nana Hughes, brilliantly at ITV, just it just was the stars aligned. She wanted a vehicle for Jade, and there we were with a ready-made show, and ITV too, very much about reflecting a young audience. And the, I mean, how many people have worked in call centres? It's so often the first rung Mm. of the job, of of the career ladder for so many people. And so we just sort of knew that this was a world that would reflect the audience well back to them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's just been a brilliant, brilliant experience, but but it needed to take its, its time and it needed a little bit of luck, a little bit of timing, um, but I'm so thrilled with it. Um, so yeah, that's been the last year of my life working on Ruby Speaking. Oh, congratulations. My goodness, it does sound really fun. And what was it? Um, because I can guess and assume, but I might be guessing wrongly. What was it about the setting? Do you think that really grabbed you comedically? That when she said that's where she'd worked, the light bulbs went off. And then when you went that day, the light bulbs were going. Yeah. What comedically was it? Do you think? I think it screamed a, a a sitcom setting, a situation where we had trapped characters, mm. where we've seen this before, trapped characters, hierarchy, mm. rules, um, opportunity for characters who are towing the line and are going uh, swimming in the wrong direction. Um, Abby came up with a really lovely thing of, that Ruby can see the callers, the other characters can't. So there's this other little, I don't know, crackle of a a brilliant little idea that she had that Ruby sort of had this gift. Um, So that was something yummy happened then. Um, Bristol, you know, out of London, uh, uh, something about that voice of, of also of, Jade Adams going back into her own experiences. So we're not just making up a world. All of the things I've just said could be, yeah, you just sort of, that's a perfect sitcom. But it was also 
a thing I love. You can look back at a lot of things I commissioned. It had an autobiographical feel to it. So all of that goes much deeper. And mm. and and I, I love that. It's another reason why Sherlock Alma's not normal is one of my favourite shows. Based on true experiences, totally joyous, but messages in there. Um, Jade is saying this lovely thing about Ruby speaking. It's a bit of a Trojan horse for these other messages around women mm. um, that we've snuck in there. But um, again, the reason why I love comedy is we're not hitting people over the head with it, but they're in there. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, I want it's not just disposable. I want it to matter and to move people. And to yeah, change the perspective of people. Um, so I hope we've done that with Ruby speaking. I really do. Wonderful. And how do you think that filtered through to the sort of the ensemble that you uh, created? Because you you mentioned that like the course that has got this inbuilt hierarchy. I'm wondering, like, because it's such an important part of comedy and how it functions but there's so many ways to do it and I know that you're so supportive of women in comedy as well as all people in comedy so I just wonder when you when you sat down to think you you knew who was going to be at the center of it and with her autobiographical experience yeah. can you remember anything about the process and how you thought about filling out the rest of that cast you know funny enough I had to do something a bit counterintuitive which was mm. not not get too hung up on our casting of the other roles. We had a mm. lovely director, Rosie Gaunt-Matheson. It was the first time she'd directed a big series. Um, gloriously, she'd gone to school with Jade, so there were all these lovely connections going on. And the first time we had a uh, Emma Garrett, it was her first big series as her, our casting director. So it was a lot of having to um, you know, take, take some... I'm not even going to say the word risk, actually. It was almost just give people opportunities to uh, to find us a cast that we hadn't seen before. So practically everyone is new in that young cast. We have got amazing Catherine Kelly playing Vicky, the boss. So we kind of knew mm. we needed, you know, someone with a bit of profile in that role. But when it came to these younger parts, I mean, we even went to the point of uh, doing an open call and we got 600 people to apply for one of these roles, for the role of Craig. And then in one day, saw 30 people. These are people mm. who never had any experience before. And we found the most glorious Daniel Hiscox, who's was actually still is uh, pulling pints in the pub. Um, but he's a real discovery. He plays this security guard receptionist, um, Craig. Um, so these, these are things almost where you, um, don't think too hard about it. And Abby was great here with the, the writer. She, she wrote the, the younger characters quite lightly. She held them lightly because she said, I want mm. the actors to bring themselves to it. And definitely with Dan Hiscox and Craig, she, she, she went, I'm not going to pretend I can know exactly how, a 20-year-old can speak, a 20-year-old from Bristol speaks, Dan, bring us bring us how you would phrase these lines. So there's a lot of lot of give there. And I suppose, yeah, was, if, it, if it was anything with Ruby, it was almost letting go of the reins and letting letting the talent um, really inhabit their roles. We did it, Catherine Kelly was was great as well. She she just 
came to the park going, I don't want the boss to be a boss we've seen before. Mm. So things like her look and her just her phrasing and the things she was obsessed by and little props on her desk very much were left up to her. And I know she's she's really grateful for that, you know, not many actors are given that. And so we went, yeah, of course, you know, you, you're, you're such an expert at this and we want her to bring her everything to the part. So, um, yeah, it, that, it was great. And I really, really think it's worked as well because you could say all of these things and it ends mm-hmm. up being a bit of a, a porridge, but it's, um, it, 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 I, I think it's worked really, really well. Oh, I'm sure it has. And again, it just turns with everything that you said that you um, love and want with comedy in terms of that freshness as well, creating space. So like you say, although it wasn't controlling all that, it's deliberately and intentionally making that space for, you know, people to do their jobs and bring that freshness and find those surprises. I love that. I'm so looking forward to seeing a boss that's different to bosses we've seen before and where they've been able to bring themselves to it. That's super fun. That's wonderful. So I'd love to know, um, and again, big question, but what it is that you're excited about in the comedy landscape now? And I, when I say comedy, I mean, we see there's so many labels we put now that are kind of clunky of dramedies and dramedies and comedy mm. dramas. And so it can be the whole world. But what's exciting to you currently as you, as you sit in 2023 looking out? Yeah, it's so difficult. Um, I think I, I, I kind of know what doesn't excite me, if I can okay, stop Okay, yeah, there. that's valid too. Let's do that. Well, <laughs> I think we have had a lot of of, of issue-led comedies, and hmm. I'm, I'm bloody grateful for them, and I've watched a lot of them. Uh, but we've almost – what happens is we go, oh, they work, so we'll do 10 of them. It's like, no, 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 they – they work because they were refreshing change from mm-hmm. everything else we had. So uh, it's it's also slightly that we edge over to drama, and you go, no, drama's got the lion's share of the money. Let comedy be comedy, and also look at what we've been through over the last three years. We're still in it in a way. No one's talking about it, but I still think we're feeling the effects of it. You know, we have we're so lucky in this country to have people invest in comedy the way they do. So don't use up our slots on things that would read as drama or win the drama award. You know, let's make sure that our comedy voices it's so hard, comedy. Mm. Writing comedy is so hard. Um that's why so many comedy writers end up writing drama and they go, mm. the Williams brothers, they 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 ha- they admit it. They go, God, drama's so much easier than comedy. Comedy, yeah. you've got to do everything and make people laugh. Mm. So, so I suppose I'm I'm looking forward to more out and out comedies and and comedies that are really joyous and really unite the nation and get the generation. I know I'm old fashioned, but I still imagine the, the, the many generations on the sofa. I know no one watches things on the sofa anymore, but the equivalent of you know join joining up, uniting people. Sorry, there's um, a I'm gonna there's a big. <laughs> Hornet landed on my knee. <laughs> so in case uh, you wondered what the the thing you was, definitely wow. need to deal with that. That's okay. I've brushed him off. It was just a little bit of a shock. It was that big. Anyone um, who's listening at home, it was like huge. 
Do you want to deal with that though? No, it's all good. (laughs) So we've had dogs in the show before. We've had cats in the show. We haven't had like a giant hornet. Blimey. Yeah. That was drama. That, that was, was drama. drama. <laughs> that was drama stinging you on behalf yeah, yeah, of me. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> uh, couldn't cover that one. <laughs> but no, you um, were just saying about joy. Well, I suppose I'm just, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I'm an old romantic. I, I, I just, I do, you know, I look back, you asked me about comedy. I was thinking, actually, it probably started when I sort of saw my parents cry with laughter at things like mm. the Dick Emery show and and Dave Allen and you went god this this is having a huge effect on my parents um and there's just something really magical about it we should almost stop to remember how magical it is I mean there's a genre out there that's forcing us to have a physical response yeah um it's it's a very very special thing we're really good at it in this country we need Mm. to really preserve it so Sorry, you asked me what I was looking forward to. I mean, what I what I love is is seeing a show and going, oh, that's it, and that's what we've been missing. And I'm going to mention mention Colin from Accounts again because mm. I do think I think there's a we're missing something around a kind of new rom com. You know, I hate mm. that word. It's yeah, got bad associations. Okay. But um, we've had we had we had obviously Gavin and Stacey was a great one. Catastrophe was a brilliant rom-com mm. in a way. It had its lovely sharp edges. Um, so I'm not afraid of sharp edges, but I, I just, yeah, I, I think they're, they're, they're just brilliant, brilliant shows, aren't they? And you really unite behind a relationship. Miranda was another one, wasn't yeah. it? Like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? It's, it's, a, it's just a, it's a great place to be. And it's um, really uncynical. It's really open-hearted. Mm. Um so yeah, I'm a big fan of those, and then um, yeah, I just I like I like seeing families done in all sort of shapes and sizes, and they really do not have to be the conventional family. But mm. back to Ruby speaking, we have sense of family at work. It's nothing to do with anyone being blood related. It's like where do I find family now? And I think that's just something that really matters a lot. Um, and it's just lovely to see it reflected back to us on the screen. So I think I think my my taste is definitely for these bigger shows mm. that that can bring all the generations together. Um, I think they're hard, and that uh, mm. it's like the holy grail for me. Yeah, well, that's good, and I I think it's good to have a grail to go after, and that makes so much <laughs> so much sense. And I love that term, open hearted, as well. Enjoy us; they're all such fabulous. Like even as you say them, I feel like you when you get those good pages, like just like sitting up and wanting to lean forward, going, "Yeah, that would be a wonderful thing to go home on this evening and put on something that's joyous or that you can yeah. share." That's lovely. I yeah. love that. So I've just got two more questions before we wrap up. One is that I know as um part of your mentoring and supporting of writers like you do do things like sit on committees for awards and uh, things like that so I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit for writers who haven't considered engaging in that kind of process if there's any um tips that you have not for like how to win specific ones but oh goodness this this thing is like I'm just going to show you so you can see this uh, can you see this huge thing I really can see that it okay. is absolutely <laughs> just so anyone who's like she's been a wimp it's really big <laughs> I mean are you like in Mexico or somewhere no I'm in mean, Devon actually, <laughs> I so. can't quite believe the size of that thing mm, yeah 
So uh, apologies for the interruption again. I just decided to come for a second visit and perch on my delicate skin. But what I was asking is about awards and committees. Um, yeah. Just uh, tips for writers as to why you think um, if you do, like it's potentially a good idea to uh, to put that in part of your sort of career thinking yeah. and any tips for how to consider that. Yeah, I mean, I cannot stress enough how great it is to get your work into a, a competition or any sort of award. Um, it, it, I think most of them are just free to enter. They are mm. sitting there waiting for good material. Um, and I know it probably seems like it's, I don't know, maybe hard to do or hard to find. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Comedy Crowd website because mm. I think they are really good at um, you know, amalgamating all the all the competitions out there. They do a weekly newsletter or something. Anyway, it's a really good prompt. Um, the reason why they're good is that you really might win it <laughs> if you're mm. good. You might win this thing um, or you get shortlisted. And then immediately that changes the good old opening line of the, the cold call email to I've just won or mm. I've just been nominated. And I can't tell you how that excels the, the whole proposition way above everything else. Um, they are not out of reach. They are totally in reach. Um, just check the criteria of these things because sometimes 10 pages, whatever it might be. Um, and if you don't get one, just go for another, you know. Um, I sit on a lot of them. I'll be honest, I think some of the quality what I'm saying is it's not mm. it's not impossible to get to the top top 10 of these things um and we've I I in lockdown I did an I did a a, a competition and uh, we then worked up on the final three it was really really worked it became this kind of year-long project and out of it we got proper development for a couple of these things you know it really did translate to something real so, um, yeah, they're, they're just, they're brilliant. And there are a lot of them out there. So um, don't, don't feel it's beyond you. It's, it's a brilliant way to get going. And I'd even say for the quite well-known writers, you mm. could still, you could, you, I don't know, you get people viewing your work. Like I, I've been introduced to writers by being on a panel and then I followed up with them because I've, you know, fallen in love with the, the way that, they they write so uh yeah really important and really worthwhile that's a really great insight thank you and really encouraging so and we've had um Sharice Griffiths on the podcast before so listeners you can go back and listen to her episode and she talks about how uh, one of the awards the Bath after Rockcliffe Award, I probably said yeah. it wrong, but her winning that actually opened doors for her too. So you can yeah. listen from a different perspective there. I mean, here's another example, Female Pilots Club, I think mm. it's called. Yep. They did a showcase with UK TV. I went along to it and uh, out of the four, I optioned one of them. And now right. we are talking to broadcasters. It's real. Yeah. It's, well, not, it's lovely. Yeah. It's not just a scheme for a scheme's sake. It's, mm. it's real. Yeah, and ways to make connections, so ways in a in a human way. And the other thing, look, if you, if you don't get to the, the the top table, you'll hopefully get some good feedback, and then mm. try again. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable. Thank you. And last question is just, and we always wrap up with advice. Any advice that you've been given that you feel has helped you in whatever capacity in your career? Um, I'd say tune into 
the core of you. A bit like me when I started my company, I had to sort of dispel the other <laughs> the other voices and noises mm. and pleasing others and all the rest of it and go to the core of you. A bit like with Jade when I said, you know, what's what's what what experience have you got? Call center. It's like what's the core of her, her first job? And that was such a great little acorn for our what's now a six-part series so you know whatever you write you are going to have to sit with for a long time so you're gonna you're gonna have to really know it trust it believe in it as your the kernel of your your idea and if you've got that strength of feeling about it you'll transmit that to your first meeting with the producer or the first meeting with the agent and then that producer will transmit it to the commissioner mm. and so it's really valuable to 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 don't try and think for others and think how what 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 do people want right now. Um, really dispel all of that. That that doesn't get get you a commission. I really don't think it does. But a passion and your mm. your integrity for your own project, the essence of your idea, is such a winner. It really wins in a meeting as well. It's it's a it's not a pitch for a pitch pitch's sake. It is it's you speaking from the core of you. Uh, I don't really believe in that. Oh, that's such wonderful, like really centering, useful advice and to keep coming back to. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. And before we go, where should people go if they want to find out more about you and your work? And of course, any links will also go in the show notes too, but this is just if people are driving around and want to look you up. Yeah, so um, so Yellow Door is where I am, and I have a not brilliant website which I really must do something about. But within the website is an is an email. Um, it, it's basically the inbox for any new ideas. We will try and get through them as best we can, um, but I really do try and read everything. So at info at yellowdoorprods.com, that would be in the Great. notes. Um, I think that's the best way to find me. But also we have a Yellow Door Instagram and Twitter account. Um, so you'll probably hear a lot about Ruby speaking right now. But yeah. um, I also talk about, we do, um, I, I, I'm very fond of Chris Head and we do courses together from time to time. We do small groups where we'll take you through one particular project. We're going into a bit more detail about what I think is navigating an industry that's not that complicated, but it can look very complicated from the outside. So my whole mantra is really anyone can get in there, but uh, it's really good to dis dispel some myths. So we talk, we talk more about that. Wonderful. Thank you. And I really appreciate you doing that so generously today. Um, just being such a lovely human face for those people that we don't always see. And we're wondering how it works. And you gave so much great practical advice. So thanks oh, so I much, Lucy. So. All right. Well, thank you, Danielle. Thanks for having me on.